Blackman Baptist Church. Merry Christmas. It is good to see your faces. It's good to be here in the warmth together. Just, just we're going to be warm on Christmas Eve. I have really enjoyed our Advent season together. I hope you have also. Last week's uh, worship concert was truly awesome. Like, that was amazing. I'm already looking forward to next year's Advent worship service, and I am hopeful that we will be encouraged by God's word again this morning as we look at a third angelic conversation regarding the arrival of Jesus. So in our passage for today, a host of angels shows up before a group of of shepherds to announce the news that changed everything. But what we're going to consider is there's a significant sense in which that angelic news is often misunderstood. We're going to look at Luke 2, and we're going to see good news this morning. It's good news, but I will let you know it is wrapped in a weighted blanket of sadness. Like, good tidings of great joy, for sure, but with a nice layer of reality on top. Because what we're going to consider in this famous passage in Luke, in doing so, we cannot help but face disappointment. We can't help but remember our own disappointment as we hear the angelic announcement, we'll be reminded that we live in a world of conflict and pain, that we live lives of conflict and pain. The world that Jesus came into is a world where joy can only be seen against a backdrop of brokenness. That's true. We can only consider peace in a world that is at war. For example, I'm going to share my favorite Christmas memory. I was 11, maybe 12 years old. It was Christmas morning. My favorite place on earth, my grandparents' farm. My sister and I, who's right there, we got everything on earth that Christmas morning. If I put it on my list, this is not an exaggeration. If I put it on my list in 1993, I got it. Toys everywhere. I was super into sports. I got a tennis racket, football, basketball, baseball glove, on and on. Musical instruments. I got more presents that Christmas than I had ever gotten. It wasn't even close, and it wasn't even over. The grown-ups brought in one last present for my sister and I, and we unwrapped it together, and it was a Super Nintendo. Right? I lost it. How can one person receive this many presents? How could there possibly be a Super Nintendo on top of all this? It was everything a kid could hope for in a Christmas. More. The reality is that that morning didn't usher in a Forever season of peace for the Hiltabidal family because of those moments of magic. It's a broken world. It can't last. I don't remember this for sure, but Lauren and I were probably fighting by that afternoon over who was going to be Mario or who was going to be Luigi. (laughs) But even more telling is the reason the present mountain was so gargantuan. My sister and I didn't know, but every adult in the room knew that my grandma was dying of brain cancer. She was the best. It was Christmas morning, and she was dying. 
Grandma was pancakes, puzzles, prizes. She was the queen of a farm that was wonders for two little kids. And she wanted to give us every present imaginable while she was there to see us open it. She wasn't there next Christmas. We've had 30 Christmases without Grandma. We've now had, I think, seven without Grandpa. We've had two without Marlene, two without Jimmy. We've had, this is the first one without Nene. It's just me. On and on it goes. Every single one of you knows. This is not a world of peace that we live in. That Christmas morning is a powerful memory for me of a snapshot of joy and peace in a world of pain. A special morning of peace in a world that can't keep peace. And what we're going to see in Luke chapter 2, thank God it's Christmas. What we're going to see in Luke chapter 2 is the promise of peace on earth, but it is a promise to people who live on this earth. It's so easy to misunderstand God's promise of peace and therefore either see that promise as unfulfilled or minimize the beauty of the promise that has been kept. So the first thing I hope we can understand this morning is that Advent doesn't promise peace in all things. We have to, we have to believe that and know it. No matter how much we like to think that maybe it can when we sing all of our Christmas carols about it. Advent doesn't mean peace with everything, but it can mean peace with the thing. So we have this opportunity. We're going to look at the message to the shepherds, both to loosen our grip on our desire for a peace that hasn't been promised to us, and to strengthen our joy over the peace that we can actually have here. I would love for us to live not disappointed by not having a peace that we can't have. And I would love for us to be overjoyed by the peace that has been given. So let's read this together from Luke 2, very famous, beginning in verse 8. If, if you haven't got the Christmas spirit yet, we're finally there. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock, then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly! There was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off, found both Mary and Jesus, or Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. This is the word of the Lord. Advent doesn't promise peace with all things. Keep two phrases from the angels in the front of your hearts. I proclaim to you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people, and glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth 
two people he favors. Jesus came to bring peace to those he favors, but let's understand what that peace really is, and let's do so to begin by considering the original recipients of that message. Shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flock by nights. These are the most famous shepherds that have ever lived. You have ceramic models of these shepherds in your house right now. But listen, even though they're famous, their lives were very likely not awesome. Think about all the areas of these shepherds' lives that lacked peace and remember that in many ways, to some degree, peace is absent in our life in the same way. They did not have peace with society around them. Just going to buzz through a list. Shepherds were not significant in a society where it really mattered if you were significant. Now, there's actually a debate. Some of you may know this. There's a debate on whether or not these were priestly shepherds or just regular lowly shepherds. But either way, sheep keepers weren't the cream of the crop in this society. They were not thought of highly. The shepherds also lacked peace with the sort of the religious society to some degree because their very work made them unclean from a, for ceremonial purposes. The shepherds also would have lacked peace in their relationships because who doesn't, but also probably especially shepherds, I don't know, the Bible doesn't expressly tell us that they got in fights around their campfire at night, but that's what humans do. That's what these shepherds would have done. They didn't have peace with the very world around them. The reason they're working is to keep wolves from eating sheep, eating them. I don't know the last time you thought about this, but it's possible if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time on this earth right now, a lion or a wolf would eat you. Polar bear especially. My wife's fascinated with polar bears like attacking people way up there. (laughs) They'll just eat you. What does peace on earth mean? The shepherds also did not even have peace in the broadest sense, the broadest sort of way. Even if they had been elites and they had been religiously clean and they had been lived in relational harmony and uh, relational harmony, they somehow brokered peace with the wolves. They were still being ruled by a foreign government. These guys lived in a Judea that had been conquered by Rome. These were not men who knew peace. They were human shepherds. What real peace is there for them in this world? What peace is there for you in this world? You're in the same boat. You could have relational conflict at your house tomorrow opening presents. There's a good chance you will. (laughs) Leave CNN on in the background during stocking stuffer time. Just maybe. (laughs) We are a people of conflict. You could have, this is the worst, you could have internal conflict while opening presents tomorrow. Did I buy them the right thing? Should I be helping with dishes? Why aren't they helping with dishes? Does anyone here really like me? You could live in torture, internal torture, at Christmas morning. What is peace on earth? You could experience a lack of peace in your own body. Guys, I know this is not the content you came for for Christmas Eve. Hang with me. Our bodies are at war with us. Your heart could attack and kill you over the Christmas casserole tomorrow. That is a reality in which we live. 
We don't know what's going to happen. The shepherds didn't know what was going to happen either. So into a world that was at war at every level, an angelic host showed up in the sky praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those he favors. What a promise that is, especially to shepherds in a world of conflict and pain. What a promise that is, especially to Middle Tennesseans 2,000 years later in a world of conflict and pain. What was God promising when he promised peace on earth? Well, earth, let me tell you what earth is and is not communicating to us. Earth is letting us know the location of the promise, not the scope. And I'll tell you why we know this for sure. You know this. This is like intuitive. You're like, of course. But do we think that when we're singing? Where's my peace? Earth lets us know the timing of the promise. It's right here. It's right now, but not the breadth. God offers peace here and now, but not everywhere and everything. Those shepherds were given good tidings of great joy that peace was coming to the earth for those God favors. And they believed. They immediately left. They went and saw the Messiah with their own eyes. If you keep reading in Luke 2, which I did not, you see that they worshiped God, that they then and went and shared the good news of what they had just heard about. These guys clearly believed what the angels said. And then what? The Bible doesn't tell us the rest of their story. But it's pretty safe to assume they, at some point, went back to their lives, and their lives were still pretty filled with conflict and pain. The angels promised peace. The shepherds met Jesus, and they probably didn't immediately get promoted from their job of shepherds. They were probably still shepherds. The the laws regarding ceremonial cleanliness wouldn't have changed till roughly 50 to 70 years later, even for followers of Jesus. They lived their entire lives under the rule of a foreign government, regardless of being the Messiah. They were scared of wolves every day of their life. And they still died. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us that they died, but if there were shepherds in Israel that had been alive for 2,000 years, I feel like we would have heard about it. Advent doesn't promise peace with all things. And to believe that it does is to be let down by the promise and by the God of the promise. We're still at war with others. We're still at war with ourselves. We're still at war with nature. Now, that isn't to say that God can't give us supernatural internal peace. He absolutely does that. He puts his peace into our hearts as we face the war that is this life, but it's still a war. That isn't to say that Christians aren't to pursue peace on this earth, but it's still a conflict. Those wars aren't over, but there is one that is. (laughs) To think that Advent promises peace with all things can cause us to miss the wonder of what that promise really is. So what is it? It's this. Advent doesn't promise peace with all things, but it can promise peace with God. There's still 
a world of war in every way except with God. The deep miracle of Christmas is that there can be peace with God. I'm going to use two passages that Tim Keller uses to explain this. By the way, this is Tim Keller's first Christmas with Jesus. Isn't that alone a testimony to what we're talking about in and of itself? Tim Keller is one of the greatest preachers of the last 100 years of the church, and he died of cancer in May. I bet it was awful. The arrival of Jesus didn't promise peace with all things, but it can promise peace with God. Here's how Tim Keller says we can know that Advent doesn't mean the promise of peace in all ways, all places, all across the earth. It's the words of Jesus Also from the book of Luke, chapter 12, Jesus himself said, super clear, do you think I came here to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Jesus didn't say he was coming to end all conflict on earth. In fact, he knew that the message of Jesus would bring yet more conflict. The very next verse in Luke, after Jesus had said he didn't come to bring peace on earth, says from now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three, they will be divided. Father against son, son against mother, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Merry Christmas. Advent... Advent doesn't promise peace with all things, but it can promise peace with God. Here's the second passage Tim Keller used to share what peace on earth really is about. So this is also from the book of Luke, from chapter 1. This is Zechariah talking about his, the, the coming, he's prophesying. Zechariah prophesies about the birth of his son, John the Baptist, who would, and what his role would be in the arrival and in the work of Jesus the Messiah. This is in verse 76 of Luke 1. This is awesome. And you, child will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because our God is merciful compassion, and the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Church, The glorious promise of peace on earth is the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins to guide our feet into the way of peace. That is the simple, beautiful message of Christmas. The forgiveness of sins is the way of peace. Even in a world of darkness and the shadow of death, that's where we live. The forgiveness of sins is the way of peace. And here's where we get to remember that these shepherds had a way bigger need than relational peace or internal peace or peace with the government or peace with the world. They were born in sin. Like us, like me and you, those shepherds that night stood condemned of war with the holy God of the universe, as do we all. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like we've talked about two other weeks in this series, those shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, were caught up in the middle of a cosmic story of rebellion and restoration playing out since the beginning of time. In the beginning, when God saw all that he had made, 
for us to enjoy in him. He said it was very good. And we had the audacity to say to him, not good enough. To the being than which no greater being can be conceived. We said, not good enough. Humanity, just, this is just a reminder here on Christmas Eve morning. Humanity rejected the ways of a gracious God. We disobeyed the authority of the creator God. We spurned the friendship of a holy God and peace was broken. It was shattered. We are the reason that there is no peace in our relationships. We, our war with God is, that is the heartbreaking why behind the lack of peace in our hearts. We ripped peace from the world. We broke peace with God. Ours is a world with no peace by our own hand. And the shepherd's world was a world of no peace by their own hand. And into that dark night came good tidings of great joy that God himself was extending peace to the very ones who rejected him. And not only was he bringing peace, but the peace offering was himself coming as a baby to grow up, to be tortured and killed, to receive in himself the penalty for our disobedience and rebellion. So to wonder at the peace of Christmas is to wonder again at the beauty of the gospel. Advent doesn't promise peace with all things, but it does promise peace with God. Romans 5.1 says it this way, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we have been justified, since we have been forgiven, we have peace with God. I didn't put this on the screen, but Isaiah 53 says, we just read this in Sunday school, since he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So really, the question of Christmas, the question of Christmas is this. Is peace with God alone good news of great joy? Is that enough? I've wrestled with that question again in my heart this week. The world is still broken. It is. Grandmas still get brain cancer. Daughters are still born without ears. Ukraine is at war. Israel's at war. There's conflict all around. Conflict all around, everywhere, except the one place that matters most. The throne room of the God of the universe is at peace as it pertains to me. That's insane. He was pierced for our transgressions. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. You know what that might have sounded like from the uh, shepherd's perspective? It might have sounded like, I'm still just a shepherd, but I've seen the Messiah. I'm still lowly, but my sins are forgiven. I'm still doomed to die and yet destined to live. The good tidings of great joy can mean, take my sheep, I don't have sheep, but you know, fill in the blank, 
take my significance, take my life, because there's peace for those who God favors. Think of Leroy, man in our church, who, like the shepherds, met the Messiah. He has the promise of sins forgiven, but he still needed a heart transplant for his broken body. He's still, right now, I think he's still in the hospital right now, fighting infection. My brother-in-law, I love you, B-Crit. My brother-in-law is a great example. He's here today for Christmas Eve, so I'm going to use him as an example. He's truly one of the most Christ-like people that I know. I love him very much. He's talented. He's a good leader. I've said for years that basically nobody in my life makes me want to be more like Jesus than being around him. But Brian still lives. He's awesome. He still lives in this world. Uh, A few years ago, his dad choked in a restaurant and died. Right now, his, (laughs) Brian has a job in Columbia, Tennessee. His house is in Greenville, South Carolina. So until his job and the house he owns are in the same city, he lives in his in-law's garage. Peace on earth in your in-law's garage. And I noticed on Facebook this week that this truth was already alive in our church family before I taught it. Nathan Young posted a John MacArthur quote on his Facebook page. The gospel doesn't promise to fix you here. You may have a bad marriage till you die. You may have cancer and die before you thought you'd die. Tim Keller just did it. Your house might burn down. Jesus doesn't promise to fix that. The gospel doesn't promise that, but it does promise eternal life. Jenny Keller posted a Tozer quote on her Facebook. Gorgeous. Someday the church can relax her guard, call her watchman down from the wall and live in safety and peace, but not yet. Not, how could we? Not yet. Just last night on a text thread about prayer needs in our church, Weston Wax said, goodness, there's a lot going on. The prayer thread is crowded on earth. Someday we can live in safety and peace. Not yet. Does peace with God alone mean good tidings of great joy for your heart? That's the question of Christmas. For the rest, it's not yet. For everything else, it's only someday. For the rest of the peace that we want, it's a battle on this earth. But guess what? The God of all things has quite a Christmas present coming for us. Because the hope of Christmas is that there's another earth. The hope of Christmas is that peace with God that we can have now eventually means peace with everything. Peace with God eventually means peace with everything. A couple of years ago, uh, my family and I went to Disney for the first time. I took my daughter ever on a ride called the Incredicoaster. She was 11. It's a serious roller coaster. We waited in line, and as we got on the ride, as we waited in line, as we got on the ride, she was tearing up. She was scared. Most of the ride, she was super uncomfortable and terrified. But as we were getting off, she said, let's do that again. (laughs) So we got back in line. 
We rode the, the ride a second time, and the second time, the whole time, it was, woo, this is awesome. It's her favorite ride she's ever been on. I don't know how many times we rode it. First time around, sad and scary. Second time around, a joy and a thrill. Can I remind you, for those who have peace with God, there's a second time around. A true and better in credit coaster is coming. <laughs> in your internal struggle by the present pile tomorrow, remember this. There's a second advent. There's a second earth. There will be a new and better Christmas. And the second advent will promise peace with all things because of peace with God. The second advent does promise everything that we wish we had gotten in the first advent. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. He's going to do it again, and he will live with them. This will be his people's, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. A second Christmas is coming. A new earth. Isaiah 11 says, Righteousness will be a belt around his hips. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf, the young lion, and the fattened calf will be together, and a child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young ones will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like cattle. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit, and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. They will not harm nor destroy each other on my entire holy mountain. For the land will be as full of knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. On that day, the root of Jesse, that's Jesus, will stand as a banner for all the peoples. The nations will look to him for guidance, and his resting place will be glorious. You know what that is? That's Mary's second Christmas and a happy new earth. Mary's second Christmas. We're gonna, I'm, hope I remember to wish that to you someday. It's as good as done. Christian, a new peace is coming because a new earth is coming. It won't always be like this. On this earth, grandma had brain cancer. Tim Keller died. Leroy's in the hospital. Brian Crittenden lives in a garage. But to those things and everything else, Jesus says, behold. I'm making all things new. So the message of Christmas then is not that suffering is over, but that it will be. The message of Christmas is not that death has ended, but it doesn't last. The message of Christmas is that we can have peace with God right now. 
and a second Christmas is coming. Because the angel said, I proclaim to you good tidings of great joy, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those people that he favors. In just a moment, we're going to glorify God together through singing. But If you have pain, conflict in your life right now, and you would like to pray with someone here on Christmas Eve morning, come forward as we sing. One of our leaders would love to pray with you. If you want peace with God, if you are here and you do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, come forward as we sing. One of our leaders would love to to talk with you. For everyone else, let's rejoice loudly in our hope right now. Let's worship together as we proclaim together good news of great joy. And let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you mostly for the work that you have done in our hearts to give us peace with you, the thing that matters most. God, I pray that you would melt our hearts as we sit, by our, as we sit with our families tonight, tomorrow. Would we melt our hearts that though nothing else is perfectly at peace, we are with you through Jesus. There is no more work to be done. There is no more battle to be fought. Jesus, it is finished, and we say thank you. And we look ahead with, man, let it be hope, joy, expectation, for when we get to do this again, infinity from now, at a second Christmas, a new earth. Thank you, Jesus. Pray in the name of Christ. Amen.